0: Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Hey, everybody, this is Mike, and I'm here with Steve. Hey, guys, Steve here. And we're doing a little bit of a special episode. We had originally had our Marvel Champions review scheduled for this weekend. But Fantasy Flight just unfortunately announced that it's not going to be until late October or even into November that the game's released. So there's not really much hurry on that. But what is coming up is the end of several Kickstarters. And on our Slack and just kind of in our own conversations, there's been a lot of discussion of should I get Oath Sworn? Or should I get Isofarian Guard? Or should I get Aeon Trespass Odyssey? Like these big Kickstarters that are all big campaign games with... Tons of content, miniatures, what have you. And uh, yeah, so we are not going to say like one is better than the other. First of all, we haven't all, we haven't played all of them. We don't really know. But we did think it'd be useful to kind of present our thoughts. I've played several of them and, and Steve's played uh, one of them. And basically just kind of give you some information that might help you make a choice before some of these Kickstarters end. So before we get into all of that, let's thank some of our patrons from Patreon thanking Ryan McLean, who's a co-op fan, Brad Batchelor, who's a co-op lover, and Francis Paul Mary, who's a co-op lover, And by the way, quick check-in, it looks like Colin and my (laughs) uh, across-the-country Lord of the Rings co-op playthrough might be delayed a bit into October just because of uh, complications in life and all that stuff. You know how that goes. So we are definitely still going to be filming that. That was the $150 reward when we reach $150 from patrons. So that's going to happen, but uh, we hoped it would happen in September, and it looks like that might not be possible anymore, just to kind of give an update on that. But before we get into things, uh, Steve, how have you been? What have you been playing recently? Let's uh, do a little check-in before we get into these new games.
1: Yeah, I just got back from a a game day at a local store to us, and I met up with some Slack members, Tarek and Steve, who uh, we have been playing like every month or so we try to get together. And so we sat down and I taught them Set a Watch that was new to everyone but me. And then we also sat down and played Aeon's End, but specifically a campaign play. So we tried that, and then we wrapped it all up with uh, The Mind.
0: Oh, very nice. Uh, that's the campaign play in the New Age? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I'm really—I've I'm, kind of been off Aeon's End a little bit, but all the stuff you've been saying on that on the Slack has really gotten me excited to maybe try that. So <laughs> maybe I'll pick that up at some point.
1: Yeah, it kind of— it... I have enough ands in where I don't think I want any more, but I'm kind of glad I did happen to honestly luckily buy that uh, campaign play, and it really feels right to me. This is what it kind of sets aside for other deck builders.
0: Yeah, no, that's amazing. Uh, as for me, honestly, what I've been playing is kind of alive on the YouTube channel because I have so many games. I have a big, pretty big backlog right now. So I've been playing uh, Detective, City of Angels from Van Ryder, Both uh, solo and co-op and with the Chisel, where it's a competitive game. That's been a lot of fun. And then uh, Everdell, I've been playing a lot of solo and also with my wife. And uh, yeah, I have some more coming up. So just a busy, busy time right now.
1: I also mentioned that I will be in the Twin Cities area around Fancy Flight headquarters, actually. Because I'm meeting up with Colin and a few of the folks from Slack to uh, play Lord of the Rings. There's a Con of the Rings, which is a player-held convention there. So we'll be playing that game primarily, but also some other stuff. And that's uh mo- mostly October 4th and 5th.
0: Yeah, it's really exciting for you all. I would love to go to the Arkham Knights uh, celebration one of these years, but
1: not going to happen this year. I think that's always like the week after or something like that, and it feels like... There's a lot of players that play both, and it's like kind of awkward just to stay there for a whole week just to catch both. So, <laughs> it kind of would be nice in the sense to have them like back-to-back, but eh, well, whatever.
0: <laughs> I'm going to put my life on hold to just LCG it up for an entire week. <laughs> That's
1: right. So, all right,
0: uh, we are going to get into four games that are either on Kickstarter currently or coming to Kickstarter. And these aren't really the same kind of game exactly, but they do have a lot of similarities in that they're all campaign games and pretty big campaign games. They all have kind of fantasy or supernatural themes. And uh, again, they're all on Kickstarter now or for one of them coming soon.
1: And to add to that, I guess the primary reason that was mentioned earlier, is just the fact that these are real all big campaigns have got a lot of visibility to them. And from like a personal standpoint for me, like I don't have a ton of money to just throw out Kickstarter campaigns. And so sitting down, having to analyze each of these campaigns and figure out which one fits me and hopefully share that to you guys. That's kind of the goal of this.
0: When I would go beyond the money, I would say all of these are pretty big campaigns, like a lot of time if you want to play through the entire thing. So the idea of like buying two or three games on Kickstarter at the same time that each will take 50 or 100 or 200 hours to play through, that that almost scares me more than the money. (laughs) Very true. So to get right into the games we're going to cover, the first one is one that Steve did an interview with uh, the designer, one of the designers for the game, on uh, the episode last week, the Ice Afarian Guard. Steve, you want to kind of summarize what that one's about?
1: Yeah, I won't go into too much detail because you can listen to that episode if you want to know more, but it is a fantasy romp into this world that uh, the designer has created. And you are playing as, I don't know, Nordic folk and going on this open-world... ...esque adventure and it's all based upon four campaigns and so the the campaigns are set up so that you play as two characters it's a one to two player game and these characters have a story in each of those campaigns and there are enemies to fight uh weapons to craft mines to to uh harvest or not harvest but uh gather rocks from and stuff and yep there's a lot to it
0: Yeah, and the second one, so Ice Fighting Guard, by the way, is ending in a little bit less than a week, uh, October 4th, as of the airing of this episode. Our second one is Aeon Trespass Odyssey, which uh, we're going to put this up on Sunday. We're recording it Saturday, and this will be over on, I think, Monday. So it's like ending, by the time you listen to this, if you listen to it soon, it might already be over. But yeah, so Aeon Trespass Odyssey, this is one that I did a review and a couple playthrough videos of and it's uh, sort of set in a alternate uh, Greek mythological setting, but where things are kind of technological at the same time, and where this cataclysm has killed all of the Greek gods, but you control these giant titans and fight these huge monsters. It's heavily inspired by Kingdom Death Monster, whether that's a good or a bad thing for you. And uh, yeah, huge, huge campaign, huge miniatures, and uh, that's Aeon Trespass Odyssey. And then another one that's currently on Kickstarter, but this one's not ending until October 24th. This is one that I wanted to throw on because it does have some similarities to these games, although it does not at all fit what Steve said of being like this really, really big, high-profile one. This is another one that I did a playthrough of back when the first Kickstarter happened. That Kickstarter did not make it. Uh, They canceled it early, and now they're doing it again. Uh, That's called The Ghosts Betwixt. And this is uh, less fantastical than the other ones. It's sort of in a heartland of america like fighting with some twisted family sort of uh hills have eyes-ish or texas chainsaw massacre kind of a theme you're trying to rescue your family member from this uh kind of haunted house uh certainly appropriate for october when uh, the game is going to be ending its kickstarter so yeah that's the ghost betwixt that's the third game we'll be talking about and then i think the fourth one you got a chance to play at gen con right steve
1: yeah, Oathsworn is another campaign fantasy game where you're playing as, well, different, a different style of fantasy characters. And the premise is there's this evil wood or evil presence that's taken over the land. And the whole game is kind of centered around boss battles for the most part. There's also a huge narrative element with the uh, exploration of the world itself. But yeah, if you're into boss battles and especially giant miniatures, that's one to definitely take a look at.
0: And yeah, real quick, I've played all of these except Isafarian Guard. Uh, none of us have played that one, unfortunately, but Steve has done a ton of research on it and, of course, also interviewed one of the designers, so he'll kind of be the main kind of spokesperson and information giver of that. But yeah, as for Aeon Trespass, Ghost Betwixt, and Osworn, I've played more or less a pretty decent chunk of each of their campaigns, so doesn't mean I know everything about the game, doesn't mean things won't change, but I'll kind of speak with that knowledge going in. So, what we're going to do is we have 10 sort of items to discuss for these games, and we're going to do a comparison of each of them as we go through this list of 10 things. And these were from our Slack members, by the way, so thank you, Slack members. And we're not, again, going to say like one game is better than another because, number one, we don't know. We haven't played enough of any of them to make that judgment. But also, it's going to totally depend on what you're looking for. So we're going to try to give as much objective information as we can or what we've inferred from what we've seen. And hopefully, it'll help you to kind of decide if one or more of these games is something you would really be excited about.
1: Yeah, not to mention that with Kickstarter, there's always a chance that what is being delivered might be slightly different than what's being stated because there's always you know pending changes. So, but other than that, yeah, we'll dive into it.
0: All right, so what's our first item we're going to do to compare these four games?
1: Let's start with price and components.
0: All right, so, and I guess uh, we'll just kind of go, we, we, I sort of have them in this random order of four. So we have Isofarian Guard, then Ghost betwixt, then Aeon Trespass Odyssey, then Oathsworn. So Steve, you're our expert. Tell us about uh, the price and components you're getting with that one.
1: Yes, for Isoferon Guard, the base pledge, or base pledge to get anything, is $79. And so that's going to give the whole game, there's no add-ons, no extra things you have to worry about, that's that's it. And then you have a couple of levels on top of that. Uh, so one thing that's kind of unique about this one is there's this Forteller app they have paired with, it's just actually a separate company. And Forteller is going to provide actual voiceovers and soundtracks to... Uh, Listen to the cutscenes in the the game, and so for that you can go in that for ninety four bucks, and then if you really want the soundtrack, which is a soundtrack that they've written specifically for the game, um, that's uh, all in for about one hundred nine.
0: Yeah, I was surprised by the way I had not realized that the narration was an additional cost. I think it's totally worth it. I've I've heard it and it sounds fantastic. I just I didn't realize that at first. I thought it was just something they were including.
1: Yeah, so how it's going to work, I think in like retail or later is the Forteller app itself will be free to download, but to unlock the tracks, you have to buy from them separately. So basically that cost is just rolled up into that price.
0: Okay, that makes sense.
1: So then the backers, I believe, are probably going to get like a code or something to unlock it since they've already paid for it.
0: But yeah, so for all the game content, not counting the app, we've got $80. And the components for this one, uh, I think there's some miniatures for the heroes, but it's mainly uh, these really nice chips, right?
1: Yep, chips, they've got uh, double-layered boards, Uh, they have, uh, you know, your normal huge map things, they've got the campaign books, all that type of stuff. But it's like, I don't know, like, probably close to like 400 cards, I believe, and uh, uh, more than 100 of these uh, chips. So something akin to what Chip Theory Games has produced in the past.
0: Yeah, that, that was the exact feeling I got when I was looking at it. All right, now next is the Ghost betwixt. This is certainly the cheapest one of the games. It's a $59 for the core game pledge. But I will note that originally this price was higher, and it was the entire campaign. But now the $59 is getting you sort of part one of two of the campaigns. So there will be a Kickstarter later for the second part of the conclusion of this campaign. So I guess if you put it all together, it will probably be a little bit over 100 so more similar to these other ones. And they do have sort of a deluxe version for $89 that has alternate art and a felt bag and nicer hit point dials. But none of that stuff is, you know, actual game content related. It's just sort of blinging up your copy. So 59 for the base game. And when I played this, it had just standees. But looking at the Kickstarter page, it looks like they've actually gotten uh, miniatures, at least for the main family members now, which is a pretty cool little upgrade. And they've got a ton of... Map tiles because you're kind of exploring this random mansion, like this haunted house, trying to find your family members. Uh, tons of standees for the enemies. Lots of uh, cards and equipment you can get. Uh, a bunch of bunch bunch of custom dice because the combat system is all custom dice based. So that's uh, the Ghost Betwixt. Uh, definitely a lot cheaper than the others, but it's only part one, so you got to take that with a grain of salt.
1: Aeon Trespass Odyssey actually has a nice option. Uh, it has something what they're calling an introductory set. So if you just want to like just have a little taste of what they're going to uh, be available, it's only 69 bucks, so it's actually pretty a pretty nice option. Uh, but to get the actual core, you're looking at around 129 and then to get into a lot of the meat of the game, it like skyrockets all the way up to around 300 for that.
0: Yeah, and I will jump in. The core is so much content, and people have complained that the two extra expansions is another $170. Now, I know that's because they've said this, like the core... They're super undercutting themselves and maybe even losing money on the core. So the other expansions are sort of priced appropriately. But yeah, the the core is three campaigns. And then I think, uh, you know, it's 170 for two more campaigns. So more money for not quite as much content. And uh, component-wise, I've, I've played it. This one is, I mean, again, it's kind of similar to Kingdom Death in many ways. And that includes the miniatures. They've got tons tons of huge huge miniatures like ridiculously huge for some of them like board dwarfing <laughs> miniatures uh, if you go see the kickstarter this one is a very very miniature heavy, heavy game tons of cards tons of these map tiles sort of seventh continent style like little square maps a uh, huge battle board oh uh, yes yeah, so this is probably yeah I, I would i would say without a doubt this is the blingiest of all of them that doesn't mean much, you know, if that's not what you're go for. But certainly in terms of miniatures, this one has by far the most miniatures in it.
1: You should probably put this one and the next game when we talk talking about Oathsworn probably on opposite ends of your shelving so you don't tilt your shelving with a giant miniature <laughs> in the game. So.
0: <laughs> well, Oathsworn is interesting. So this one, by the way, is not launching until October 8th, but I've uh, played it quite a bit and we'll be doing a review of it uh, in time for that Kickstarter. But this one... Uh, it, Steve is right that you can, for $179, get a version with a ton of really big miniatures for all these bosses you'll fight. And you can even spend extra for this really... Well, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard it's really nice uh, 3D terrain.
1: I've seen the terrain at Gen Con, and it was phenomenal. It was oh, there you
0: cool. go. Okay. <laughs> but I have no idea how much that'll cost yet. But uh, you, this is, I think, a pretty cool thing. For $99, you can get a standy version. Now, the heroes are always miniatures, but uh, all the enemies will be standees if you get the standee version. But beyond that, I think like a lot of these, I think A A Safari and Guard plays the same thing. You get this really big campaign book with tons of narrative. You get tons of cards, all this other stuff. But yeah, in terms of miniatures, you have to pay $80 extra for miniatures for the enemies, but you can go the cheaper $99 option for just uh, standees for the enemies.
1: I appreciate when these games have options not to go with all these miniatures because, well... I mean, I'm a sucker. I love miniatures just like everyone else, but it does take up a lot of storage space and just additional stuff I have to manage. And so sometimes it's nice just to have a different option. No, absolutely.
0: I do think... So, by the way, just to touch on, and this is kind of getting to our second thing content, I think for Aeon Trespass, they've said that the miniatures should either be pre-assembled or push-fit like push fit. So you shouldn't have to glue anything for Aeon Trespass. And then Oathsworn is supposed to be the same. They're either pre-assembled or uh, you can push them together. In
1: Isofaring Guard, the miniatures are either push-fit or they might be glued. But you're only looking at the, uh, the dual miniatures they have. So there's four miniatures, each with two characters each. So it'd be, I don't know, pretty minor to do that. Yeah, so the big thing
0: is, again, to compare this to Kingdom Death Monster, if you're terrified like I am of having to build 100 miniatures from sprues, (laughs) this is not the case for any of the four games on this list today. All of them should be fairly easy to construct. So we kind of already touched on this, but what do we know about the content of each of the games? Like how long the campaigns are and how much game is in there. So, uh, and by, by the way, this one is very big to say. Some of these Kickstarters could add more stuff. I mean, uh, probably not Aeon Trespass, because they're just about done, so they've pretty much finished adding the final things they have. But Isofarian Guard still has about a week left. I'm sure they could add more things. I think they said they have a big announcement, so I'll know what that'll be. Uh, Oathsworn hasn't even launched yet. (laughs) Ghost Patwix has said they have some secrets coming. So it is just based on when we are recording this, what's the content look like. So Isofarian Guard, what do they have so far? Like, what's kind of their estimate for time to play, or how big the campaign is?
1: Yeah so this is kind of hard to estimate just because the game is set up to be like an open world experience so you can spend quite a bit of time just like doing whatever you want and going side quests but the estimate that I've been seeing a lot on the campaign page winds up being around 30 plus hours um, for all four campaigns they've talked about so uh, that, like I said they could vary quite a bit depending on what you're trying to do there.
0: Yeah, and I would say Ghost Betwixt, from what I heard, is... Well, actually, the original was going to be about 30 hours, I think. So if they've cut it in half, I guess you're looking more like 15, 20 hours of content here. I think it's like uh, 6 or 7 or 8 missions, scenarios, somewhere around there. And then Aeon Trespass is certainly the big one. Uh, just in the core, they're estimating 200 hours of gameplay. <laughs> Now, I might take that a little bit down because they said that the introductory prelude is like 10 to 15 hours, and I finish it in about 8. But I play a lot faster than some people, so I don't know. Maybe it actually is 200 hours of gameplay. And then if you add in the extra campaigns, then I think it's like 300 hours of gameplay. So, yeah, who has the time? (laughs) (laughs) And then Oathsworn is this one I also have pretty detailed knowledge of. And again, this is just based on what it's starting with. Who knows what they'll add at some point but that one is uh, 15 scenarios, and combining the narrative and combat portion, you're looking at probably about 50 or 60 hours. So certainly not as much as Aeon Trespass, but probably comparable to Isafarian Guard, or maybe a little bit more than it, as it's currently revealed at least. Alright, but now let's get into something we can actually like kind of all talk about. Uh, the theme and the narrative, like how the narrative is communicated, just what we think of the theme and kind of what the theme is. So, I think Ice of Fire and Guard is probably the least depressing of the themes
1: from what I've seen so far. Can you talk to that a bit more, Steve? That's probably true, actually. I do feel like the other ones get a little more horror-ish. Not saying that horror games, but that's probably true well yeah like like the
0: the world seems to be falling apart much more in
1: all three of the other ones
0: whereas the this <laughs> guard is like hey there's actually like cities that work <laughs> and, and kingdoms <laughs> exactly. and like royalty <laughs> <laughs> exactly
1: yeah so like i said before this is a theme that in a world that has been created by the designer and his friends like they played this back in the day in an rpg type setting and they've morphed this over into this world experience they want to share with everyone and if you're familiar the previous games they made the uh, the more competitive style with a tactical combat element is continuation of that same theme now the narrative like I said before uh, you can just read the book and how it's set up is you'll play through one campaign with two characters and once you get done with that you can jump over to the other side characters and and play through that now you play through these sequentially but thematically it's all happening at the same time essentially like within the world space Now you can also add on to the uh, ForeTeller app if you want to hear a narrative with some uh, professional voice actors and and a soundtrack. So that adds to it as well. As for the actual narrative, the the narrative is actually set up to reflect the characters uh, they're suggesting you play through that. So you hear the voice of the character you're actually playing and seeing how they react to that world. So it's going to be um, somewhat scripted in that. It will have branching narratives through that. A lot of choices there, but also with the open world part of the game, uh, we'll have a little bit of emergent there to thrown in there too, as you can go explore and uncover very unique weapons and other, you know, secrets and treasures throughout the, throughout the, uh, the whole environment.
0: You know, as for the ghost betwixt, this one also has a pretty clear narrative. The basic theme is that, again, you're, like, going to this house of kind of horrors and this, like, terrible family, but you are a family of five, and you're trying to rescue your fifth family member who's basically been kidnapped by these people. So this is the only one that's in a sort of modern-day-ish setting. So this one is definitely by far the least narrative of the four. Um, it, it gets you into the game a lot faster than any of the other ones. There are, like, little intro narrative things, and as you kind of progress through the mission, you'll, like, read quick little cards as you discover things. And I think a lot of it has not a legacy element, but sort of, like, a hidden element. Like, you won't see things until you get to that scenario, and you'll find, like, hidden characters and those kind of things. But yeah, it's, it's definitely gets you into the gameplay quicker. All the rest of these require either listening to or reading a pretty extensive narrative.
1: An's Trespass has a pretty unique theme. I, it was something that definitely caught my eye on when researching these. And I do like Greek mythology. And they took a, a different spin on it, where it's just not like, oh, you know, the gods are, are dead, but now you have these titans who are out and about and wreck, wrecking havoc. But you're not a normal person. You're essentially jumping in a... Giant suit to fight these things, so it's kind of like I don't know Pacific Rim crossed with like Greek mythology ish.
0: Yeah, that that that's a good
1: description of it as (laughs) any I think.
0: And yeah, in terms of the actual narrative, this one is maybe more like Isufarian Guard than the other ones. I I don't really know enough about the Isufarian Guard narrative, but this one is very much choose your own adventure. Like you'll literally write down choices and check off this little like choice matrix, and that'll change how things happen later. And it also kind of combines that with a bit of a Seventh Continent-esque map exploration. So, yeah, it's it's pretty different than the other ones, uh, at least the three that I've played in that way. And then finally, Osor, and Steve already went over kind of the theme, but yeah, it is sort of this like fantasy post-apocalypse where in a very, uh, if anybody's seen it, Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind, uh, the Miyazaki movie, it's like this uh, giant forest has kind of taken over the entire Earth almost, and like these pockets of civilization are trying to survive within it. And you're like these hunting mercenaries who are going around and you get called to the city at the beginning of the first scenario. But yeah, this one's very kind of like dark. It does have also a bit of a choose your own adventure kind of vibe. Like uh, before you go to each boss fight, you'll move through whatever your location is and kind of make choices of where you go and who you talk to. So actually I guess Aeon Trespass and one are a little bit closer to each other. Cause you do have sort of this map exploration mixed with a uh, kind of a choose your own adventure vibe. One interesting thing about Osworn, it does have an app, but uh, it's not like conversation with different actors. It's just one actor reading uh, the narration, but it is really nicely done. And I think it's free with the game. So that's a pretty cool inclusion. And then, uh, separately, an interesting thing with Osworn is that if any of you just hate all this narrative stuff, they have rules in there to, like, read a little tiny summary and get right to the boss battle each time. So you can skip the entire, like, story elements and all the choose-your-own-adventure stuff if you want to. They have that option available to you.
1: Yeah, so let's jump into the combat mechanics and AI of each of these games. So how does, like, actual combat flow uh, get played out, and how does the enemies react to you? Yeah, I think this
0: is going to be a big one for a lot of people because at least three... Well, I know I would say all four of these games have combat as a pretty major centerpiece, at least at some time. So, yeah, let's get into it.
1: I'll start with Isofaring Guard. And so the combat in this one is based upon uh, bag building, actually. So I mentioned before you have these uh, weighted chips. You'll be adding these chips into your bag, pulling them out, and placing these bags on ability cards to trigger your combat options and scenarios. There's... I mean, that's the very small crux of it. There's also... Uh, something called the, the stones you can use to trigger other powers and abilities and a few other, you know, a lot more to the combat on top of that. Uh, how that interacts with the AI, a variety of enemies represented by one card, eight cards to represent the, its, its uh, combat options it's going to do. And so you'll just basically run through the AI scenario card after, after you flip them over. And these cards are made to start off small and maybe easier to manage, but they'll ramp up pretty quickly with certain characters. I've seen characters that can chain together these cards in in some situations.
0: Yeah, and I do like for a safarian guard how a lot of the enemies will actually add things to your bag, so kind of playing with that bag-building mechanic, like drop a fear token in or drop a poison token in and kind of mess with your plans later on.
1: That's exactly right, and you can do that also with the heroes themselves. They'll add uh, chips to each other's bags and help each other out in that regard. And the character pairings are designed to have a nice synergy between them. So you can leverage that through your gameplay. The other thing to note too is the boss battles set up in this, which is separate from the enemies I talked about. They actually have a a different AI system in that regard. But the bosses are set to highlight the strengths and weaknesses of those two characters through the campaign. And so the kind of premise of this is you are building an engine so you're not gonna have like one loadout for this each hero. You're gonna have uh, maybe upwards of three loadouts, and so knowing what area you're going to, what enemies could appear, and what the strengths and weaknesses of are of those enemies are, and maybe in the bosses, you will have to plan your your loadout and your engine before you engage in battle to kind of be successful in this game.
0: That's really cool. Now I will say all three of the other ones are. Uh, similar in that they have like an actual map you're moving your figure or miniature around iSafarian like, is the only one that's sort of that uh, zoomed out uh, card-based and chip-based combat
1: that's correct and it's also designed to take like max 10 minutes to get through because there is a uh, the focus on other things in the game not just combat so if you want like a tactical combat experience um iSafarian may not be the best you'll get, still get it but there's some other options out there too
0: yeah, yeah, I would say Isofarian is definitely the, the smoothest or fastest combat. So Ghost Betwixt is very much, in some ways, a fairly classic dungeon crawler in that you are moving around these rooms, you're exploring more rooms, you're finding loot as you defeat these people. Now it's in a modern setting, so all those tropes are kind of turned around a little bit. But it definitely kind of uh, fills those expected norms of dungeon crawling The combat itself, you'll get some actions for your characters. They can move, they can attack. There's a lot of ranged weapons. There's a lot of uh, single-use items, healing items. Each of the family members has special abilities that can get leveled up. We'll get into that in a moment. And the AI, one thing I really liked about it, you can see this in my playthrough, is that they react sort of realistically as they get attacked and as they attack, in that they'll have one family member that they're assigned, and they're going to keep on gnawing at or attacking that one family member. But if you attack that person with somebody else, you have a pretty decent chance of switching them to coming after you. So you've got almost kind of like a little taunting mechanic in there. But besides that, the AI is pretty quick. Uh, I don't think they had like unique AI cards when I played. It's just like they they move toward their person and attack with a pretty consistent uh, kind of pliable script. And you are just kind of using your abilities and moving around. So it's, it's a pretty straightforward, quick to play kind of Dungeon Crawler, typical game, except for that uh, fun AI thing and the custom dice that you roll to attack. Now, Aeon Trespass is, again, (laughs) I mean, I I said this in my review, it is heavily inspired. Some might even say borrowing too heavily from Kingdom Death Monster. Uh, When you get into combat, you completely pause the story-based part of the game and just sit down and play this huge boss battle on this big, big map. And uh, you always play four characters. They all get two actions Uh, you know generally moving and attacking and the big thing is that you do have this unique ai deck for how the enemies attack but then additionally something straight from kingdom death is that when you hit the enemy they can also do specific ai actions in reaction to you hitting them so it's a very dynamic system it's not always easy to predict what the enemies are going to do and something they did on purpose that is kind of fun and unique is that you get stronger as you take damage, and as you deal damage, you can do nastier stuff to the enemy. And as the enemy gets hurt, they get better AI, ca- AI cards and get uh, tougher-to-hurt uh, body parts. So unlike most games where you're both kind of like losing steam as you go, in this one you get uh, wilder and wilder until you either get knocked out or until you actually defeat the big boss monster. So that's Aeon Trespass. And I, I know I played a lot of Oath but you played it at Gen Con, so what do you remember of the combat system there, Steve?
1: Common System is very fluid, I felt, where it became it kind of merged into the narrative, at least at the demo I played. Uh, one thing that stood out to me was the cooldown mechanism and how that's being used. And so you are able to choose these powers to attack and I don't know, interact with the world in, in front of you. But based upon how you play these, it's going to push other cards uh, closer to you being able to pick them up and use them again. So not only do you have to figure out which cards I want to play, but also when to play them to best get the other cards I want back in my hands to, you know, recycle this.
0: And I'll add, I'm going to say this in my review as well, but it feels a lot sort of like Gloomhaven mixed with uh, the Conan board game from Monolith, where you have uh, sort of a pool of stamina that recharges a certain amount every turn. And then uh, mixed with a, you can do dice or card-based combat here for your randomization. They give you that option.
1: And the dice and card combat has this interesting kind of, almost a push-your-luck twist to it, where you can choose how many cards or dice you want to roll with the threat of, if you get too many like, negative results, you kind of fail that combat. So it's like, cool, I could do more damage, but I have a bigger risk of failing.
0: Absolutely. Oh, and uh, the AI is actually pretty similar to Aeon Trespass. They were also somewhat inspired by Kingdom Death. You have a unique deck for each monster that you fight. I think there's 13 unique bosses in this. But then additionally, when you hit them a certain amount, they'll also activate again. So it's not quite as Kingdom Death-ish as Aeon Trespass is, but still has a little bit of that kind of feel in there. All right. So a big one that came up on the Slack when we asked was kind of the idea of how much choice is in the game and how much of it is just luck. And not, I guess, just in combat, but sort of in the overall gameplay itself. So what would you say for a safari and guard? How much is kind of luck? How much is choice?
1: I think the luck part of it will come into play while you're exploring the world a bit. So kind of how it works is when you're in like a city, it's kind of safe for the most part. Uh, but when you venture out to the wilderness, you'll be stopping at each of these nodes. And at these nodes, you'll be uh, drawing chips from a bag. And these chips will then be a randomizer for picking out what you encounter. It could be an enemy. It could be a side quiz. It could be player choice. It just it, it varies. And so that's that's going to be the, the randomness out there. There's ways to mitigate that, I've been told. Um, I don't know what those are, but I've been told that that is in there someplace. As for the combat, you'll be doing some bag building. So you will know... What the odds are in that bag and the nice thing about this is if you draw chips that aren't useful to you like hey you know i drew two shields and i don't care about blocking it when i want attack you can always exchange two of a resource for one of the other so i can exchange this for attack to get that final blow so you'll have that level of of choice to make in that game and agency not to mention um, other things on top of that like i mentioned before you've got these stones which are essentially abilities you can trigger that aren't dependent on the bag pulls. And also, talking about the enemy AI, there is also a system where the cards are kind of similar for some of them, but then there's two unique cards in in that deck. And if you're able to keep track and card count and predict when those cards come up, you can leverage that to your advantage.
0: Yeah, and Ghost Betwixt is a dice-based combat system, as I said, and... You can hit really big or hit really small. The enemies can do the same. Now, you do have some pretty good control about defending each other and a lot of support abilities that characters have if you want to build them that way. So there's a lot of ways to kind of mitigate how much damage individual characters are taking. But it is, again, a somewhat uh, typical dungeon crawler in that the dice lock can certainly go your way or not. You have choices to make. You have abilities to use. You have uh, resources that you can spend or hold on to. But yeah, Dice Luck is definitely going to hit you here. And Aeon Trespass. This one actually, it does have a lot of luck. And I would say that early on, the strategy is not that deep. The more kind of cool weapons and range things and abilities you unlock as you go through the big campaign, the more stuff you will be able to do. But at least in the beginning, the combat can feel fairly straightforward. Just like run up to the guy and punch him and run up to the guy and hit him again. But they, they give great mitigation. So if you're really concerned about luck you can spend a resource to basically reroll almost any die in the entire game. Now, you might miss again, <laughs> of course, but I-, I did appreciate how in that one you can kind of uh, do exactly as much rerolling as you want to if you're willing to pay the consequences. And then uh, Osor, and Steve already said, you have kind of this push-your-luck thing, so certainly you can roll all crits. And the thing is, uh, crits explode in this, sort of like a Saddler Brothers game, so you could theoretically just do, like, 30 damage in one go, So I guess I might feel like luck is heavier here, but in my plays, it usually felt like things were fairly consistent. If you went for a bigger attack, you deal more damage, but you open up the risk of missing completely. If you go for rolling fewer dice or drawing fewer cards, then, you know, you're going to get a consistent result, but not necessarily break through the enemy's defense as well as you'd like, that kind of thing. All right, so next we get into one that <laughs> on the Slack, some people are actually questioning if this matters for games like this, but how much replayability is there? So yeah, Ice of Fire and Guard, uh, is, are there ways to like kind of see a different campaign or are you going to have almost the same story each time you play through with these characters?
1: Yeah, it's going to be hard to talk about this one in particular since we haven't played it, but I'll, I'll mention kind of my impressions and what, what, what's been communicated so far. And so for Isofar and Guard, like I said, there are four campaigns that we would be playing through, each campaign with two characters. Now, the reason why they have those two characters I mentioned before is because it's designed for that experience, because the bosses are like set up to show the strength and weaknesses. That said, you can totally play as a different set of heroes. There's no reason that doesn't work. It just might get a little weird because now you're hearing a voice of a different character as you play along with it. But if that doesn't bother you, then you can replay with any, any characters you want. The other thing is, like I said before, the campaign itself has multiple branches. So even if you play the campaign, you can actually have different experience by choosing a different branch. And then the big thing about replayability is the side quests. Uh, there is actually more gameplay in the side quests in the open world than there is in the actual campaigns themselves. I've been The, the number that's been thrown out, there's around 50 hours of that, uh, compared to the 30 hours of actual campaign play. So yeah, there's a lot to explore.
0: Yeah, for the Ghost Betwixt, I believe it has a branching campaign as well. But also, this one has sort of procedurally generated randomized uh, house layouts for the map every single time. Like, you don't know what rooms you're going to go into. You don't know what treasure you're going to find. You don't know what enemies you're going to fight. So I think uh, probably more than any of the other ones, this one kind of has the most randomization in terms of what those battles look like from game to game and, like, what those maps look like. Whereas I know... uh, Aeon Trespass, Sworn, and Isafarian Guard have like the same map every time and you're going through the same locations every time, even if different stuff happens there. And then for Aeon Trespass, this one is uh, pretty solid from what I've seen. So some people did uh, comment on the Seventh Continent kind of vibe and the map is the same, although I think they might have added in the Kickstarter some extra map tiles so it's not always the same one when you go to the same place. But a big thing here is that, first of all, you don't have enough time to explore the entire map. So you definitely could do at least two if not three playthroughs of a part of the campaign before you see everything that might be available to you. But then on top of that, you have all these quests you're doing and you make these choose-your-own-adventure type options that might close off things that can happen to you. But the quests themselves are super varied. Like, there were 10 options I would roll a d10 for which uh, quest I interacted with when I went to a certain tile. So, and I only think I saw two of the 10 in an entire playthrough. So there's definitely a lot here to see. One note, though, on the replayability is that there are not a ton of different primordials, the big enemies you fight, in each sort of leg of the quest. Like, in the uh, the intro campaign, you only fight one guy three or four times, although he does level up and get different abilities and stuff, so it's not, like, identical. And then uh, you fight, like, one other boss at the very end. So I know there will be more than that in the game, but it does have sort of the kingdom death thing where you might fight the same sort of person, but with some new special abilities on them over and over again. So that could be a negative for some people, I think, uh, if you really want your enemies to be very different each time. And then finally for Oathsworn, like I said, you have 15 scenarios and 13 bosses. So I guess a couple bosses must get repeated a couple of times. I don't know all the details, but that's my assumption. But... The designer said that you get a lot of different elements when you fight them again, so it's not going to feel like the same fight. Now, a good thing for replayability is that in the choose-your-own-adventure kind of narrative portion, you go to very different things, you can make very different choices, and that can change up the campaign in a far-reaching way. And in fact, for every scenario that I've played, there's been an entirely different branch where I didn't even see any of the same stuff as uh, the other choice that I could have made. Now, in terms of the bosses, it's going to be the same boss every time, I think, except for a few scenarios where it changes. So, like, every time you play scenario one, you're going to see this rat who's featured a lot in the Kickstarter and stuff. So, the, again, that could be a negative, kind of like uh, Aeon Trespass. Now, you do get uh, 13 entirely unique encounters here and 15 kind of unique ways to play those encounters, whereas Aeon Trespass repeats sort of the same guy several times. But, again, you know, you're, you are going to see some similar enemies here if you play through the campaign a second time
1: uh the next topic to talk about is fiddliness and overhead like how easy is to manage multiple characters do you feel like your brain is melted by the end of it Uh, (laughs) so uh, i'll start off with Gar, like we have before uh this one i we can't talk to unfortunately because we haven't played it
0: well but but I mean it is it is only one or two characters and only one or two players, right? So it's gonna have fewer it's gonna have fewer people to deal with and you don't have like an actual
1: board to move people around on, right? You do have a board to move people around on. Um so I can speak a little bit to like the setup, because I know the setup is supposed to take like ten minutes max if you have this again put away to bring it out again. Because, you know, you put the chips in the bag, you've got the separate spot to keep your items out, you just throw that on your board. And you have one manager to represent the party. There's a chance you can split up in the game, but most of the time, I think you're as a party in that. And you just start playing. You open up the the rule book and you're good to go. So, judging by that description of the setup, my impression is the filliness and overhead. It's actually going to be pretty good for this game. But we'll see what happens when it uh, arrives uh, after production.
0: Yeah, I definitely have the feeling this is probably the easiest one again because you don't have the combat, is simpler and all that kind of stuff. Uh, for both Ghost Betwixt and Aeon Trespass and Oathsworn, <laughs> all three of these have the exact same thing, you always have four characters in play, at least in the content I've seen so far. So let's just kind of get into the differences between them. So Ghost Betwixt, you have a player board for each character, you're keeping track of resources, they'll let them use their special powers, you're keeping track of hit points, they have different weapons with different colored dice you roll. So when I played it solo, there certainly were a good number of things to keep track of, but the turns uh, flow pretty quickly. I definitely feel like a lot of brain burn. The rules are very straightforward, but I did have to kind of remind myself which guy had the range weapon, and what dice is he rolling, and what dice is she rolling for defense, and what's his power again. There was a little bit of that. Aeon Trespass is the same kind of thing. You've got a unique titan for each character. You've got uh, crafted weapons and items that might be different from character to character. It's easier than Kingdom Death for those who have played that because Kingdom Death has a ton of writing and erasing, whereas Aeon Trespass has a triskelion, they call it, which is like a triple dial thing that kind of keeps track of basically your health and your attack power and your rerolling ability. So it's easier because you don't have to write down a ton of stuff during combat, but you are still, if you're playing solo, you got to control all four characters. If you're playing two player, you got to each control two. So there is like that overhead there. Oathsworn has the same four-character thing, but I will say they've done something really cool with this one to reduce the overhead. You can, if you're playing solo, make any number of the characters what are called companions, which is like a really simplified version of the character where you don't have to like keep track of that cooldown stuff and all their ability cards. They just have like a couple of abilities on a single card and some set stats. And I play with it, and it works great. Like It, it basically feels just like playing the game anyway, but it's way faster, so... For solo player, for two-player, you can make uh, whatever players are not actively controlling somebody make all the other characters companions. So that's a nice little addition they had that Ghost Batwix and Anne Trespass does not have, but neither none of the games are incredibly difficult to play solo or two-player from my experience. They just definitely have more overhead than I think Isofaring Guard will have from what I've seen.
1: Let's jump into one of the last ones, and that's going to be uh, character progression. So this is like how, what choice do I have to create the character. How can I adjust them for my own playstyle and taste and so this is probably a big point for us if you're on guard there's a lot of opportunities here for how you progress and customize your character so you will have a level up tree and with very distinct branches so i mean when you replay the game you go down a totally different branch and have very different abilities in that regard Uh, you also a big part of the game is crafting when you Beat up a bad guy or a monster, uh, you'll get some loot for it, and normally it's like you know metal shards or something else. And you can go into town and visit a blacksmith and basically forge uh, equipment for this. And the equipment is not just you know stat boots and chips to your bag, but some of them even have additional abilities. So as you play this game, you can actually change your power loadout just by changing the equipment you have on on your or not. So that's that side of it. But there's also powers and other things you can get in the game that are hidden within the, the world in those, in those side quests we mentioned before. So I don't know how much of that's going to be in there, but it's definitely in there. So you have, to recap, you got like the questing, character development, the the level up tr- chart, and then the uh, the crafting are your, kind of the three main ways of doing it.
0: Yeah, actually, I think all these are going to be kind of similar <laughs> in their own way. Uh, Ghost Betwixt has a unique uh, level up chart, kind of upgrade paths for each of the four family members, and I think the Kickstarter said there might be a hidden fifth family member as well. And then you also get a ton of gear. I think there might be a little bit of gear crafting based on the guys you defeat, and you can like change your loadout, be melee focused, defense focused, like all this stuff. There's like gear that kind of goes together. Like if you can get like two or three items of this type of gear, then you'll gain like a special bonus for it. That kind of a thing, almost like sets. And, yeah, that's the Ghost Betwixt. Aeon Trespass is... There's a lot of stuff, because you have a tech tree where you're researching technologies for your ship that both affect kind of the combat portion and the crafting portion and the journeying portion. You have a really, really big crafting thing, very Kingdom Death-ish, where you take all the stuff you take from enemies and other resources you gain, and you make new weapons and armor and support items for yourself... Each of the pilots levels up as they recover their memories because they're like amnesiacs and they like get memories back and gain new special powers. But then also your Titans level up because you gain better Titans as you go and like your ship levels up as your ship goes through. So there's I, I've only seen just the briefest like little glimpse of all this stuff. But it, from what they've said, there seems to be a ton of stuff. And then sworn. Part of it is very Gloomhavenish. Actually, a lot of it is kind of Gloomhavenish. That's the game I would compare it to the most in terms of the leveling up because you replace cards of your uh, kind of action deck that you do with the cooldown mechanic. You replace those as you level up. So you'll like kick out this card and put in like a new card that has a totally different ability that does like a lot of cool new stuff. And then additionally, you're leveling up your character with like sort of these check boxes. So again, think kind of Gloomhaven. That'll give you uh, free tokens or more of the resources that lets you move around or uh, those kind of things and then additionally, you're getting gear. I would say maybe Osworn has a little bit less than the other ones or kind of I guess Ghost Betwixt, and Osworn. I would say Aeon Trespass and I Safarians sound like they're going to have a little bit more like with the whole crafting uh, mechanic and all that. Osworn, you just get like new items and armor and and weapons. There's no there's no crafting that I've seen. All right, and our last one, yeah, it's it's cooperation because this is a one-stop co-op shop. And all of these can, by the way, be played solo. Absolutely, I've I've done it, except for Ice, Fire and Guard.
1: <laughs> but that can but, be played uh, solo for sure. <laughs> so. Well, sure, sure, exactly. I
0: mean, it says one to two players, so there we go. So, yeah, how much co op is there? So, Ice, Fire and Guard, you never separate from each other, right? Like you're always together as you explore.
1: That's not correct. You do separate in parts.
0: Oh, okay. Because I thought when I saw the when I saw the gameplay, I thought there was like one miniature that had two characters on the base.
1: That's correct. So I think most of the time you're probably together, but they do have chips in the bag. Or sorry, not chips in the bag, but you have chips in the game that do not go in your bag. They're used to mark things on the map. So one way you can mark on the map is marking uh, the different uh, characters if they do happen separate.
0: Oh, cool, cool. All right. I like that a lot.
1: But yeah, so for cooperation, I think this can be kind of a... <laughs> I think all these games are going to do cooperation pretty well, I suspect. But yeah, for I'll just jump in for a, a little bit more, but I like guess I've said before, these characters are designed to work together ex- explicitly, assuming you play with that that uh, predefined uh, setup. Uh, if you switch and mix and match them, we'll see how that works. But from what I'm seeing, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for cooperation for sure.
0: Yeah, and for Ghost Betwixt, uh, the basic abilities are basically all cooperation, except I think for the sister. But like the mom heals, the dad tanks. Uh, so they all have like little things like that. But then additionally, in the Kickstarter, they've shown like a lot of the upgrade paths. And in many of them, it's a choice between more support or more kind of focused on yourself and boosting your own attacks. So I guess you can kind of co-op as much as you want. And I already said they have kind of a taunting mechanic where you can pull enemies off each other, get closer to them. Of course, like all these games, you can, (laughs) you know, combine your attacks and all that sort of stuff. So there should be a good amount of cooperation there. Aeon Trespass, I mean, you're constantly fighting with each other. And not not fighting with each other, fighting alongside each other, and pulling the enemy off each other. You can switch who the priority target is. So again, sort of a taunting mechanic. So if one guy's is getting smashed, you can try to jump in with another character. There weren't too many support abilities in what I saw, but definitely like looking at the tech tree, I saw they would be coming up. So again, I think the co-op will increase exponentially as you kind of craft and unlock more stuff. And then Osworn, uh, tons of the abilities that you can play on your little cooldown thing are specifically meant to help other people. And some of the classes are more focused on that than others. Like you have healers, you have people who can tank or guard other people. You have people who can move other people and give other people attacks and give other people tokens and bless other people. So very kind of uh, you know, D&D-ish standard tropes of support classes and those kind of things.
1: It sounds like our cooperative fans out there will be happy with that level of cooperation for any of these games
0: yeah yeah i think any of these i well the ones i have played i would recommend for solo or co-op play like none of them well actually you know what hold on let me let me back up on that a little bit i would say aeon trespass because the campaign is so long and <laughs> so in depth and also because uh like one character's turn is not super interesting I would say that's probably going to sing a little bit better with one to two player player where you can consistently count on everyone being together. Very similar again to Kingdom Death. Like some people do play Kingdom Death with three or four players, but it's certainly known for being a better solo game, especially. And then also two players because it's so, so long. Whereas I think like Oswar and Asafarian Guard and certainly Ghost of Ghost Batwix is probably the most straightforward dungeon crawler of them. I, I think those seem to me to be a little bit more kind of quick to get players into the action and maybe you have more to manage with your character individually uh I like it all right so there you go a little look at four games either currently or soon to be on Kickstarter uh hopefully you heard about at least one that you like because of the three I've played I've enjoyed them all and I know Steve's really excited about uh, which ones are you excited about Steve
1: well honestly if I had the funds I'd probably back a lot of them to be fair but uh uh of the ones that are out there, I am most interested in an Isofarin guard. If you couldn't tell from the episode, it's more my style. I like having... I, I like combat, but I also like combat having not a forte as much. And so I like the, uh, I don't know, the exploration, open-worldness of, of what I saw from Isofarion. Not to mention shorter campaign play. Because <laughs> so, there's just too many games out there, and it's hard to like really finish a campaign nowadays with... I don't know, every month having a new campaign game, awesome co opness coming out.
0: No, I absolutely agree. People have asked me on the Slack several times, Aeon Trespasser, Oathsworn. And I think for that very reason, just for me, I might say Oathsworn because it is shorter. (laughs) 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 But honestly, all all of the ones I've played are very, very good games, like really great designs. So you can't go wrong with any of them as long as the things we've talked about kind of fit your desires and preferences.
1: Agreed. Uh, not to mention that, I mean, this we're going off of information that is currently available at the time of the recording, and this is all subject to change with things that announce it later, and honestly, the, when the final part gets delivered. So.
0: That's right. Who knows? Maybe Aeon Trespass will change into a token-based game. There'll be no miniatures whatsoever. <laughs> 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 exactly. There'll be a, a row on the internet, and... <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, We should be back to a regular review next week, but we will see you at the next stop.
1: Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the One Stop Co-op Shop
0: podcast. Please check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. If you want to reach out to us, the best place to talk to us all is on the Slack. See the show notes for details. Also, you can support us on Patreon check out patreon.com slash one-stop. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week with another Top 5 list.